We're going to just uh, continue our series in Acts and kind of still messing with our uh, experimental format here. Uh, this is going to be fun because we're going to go through like a whole chapter today, which is really, really fun. Uh, yeah, good times, right? And the cool thing about this one is that this actually then sets up what happens in chapter 4. Uh, and I just have to say, kind of starting out, I want us to pay attention to, uh, especially as we read chapters 3 and 4, just how countercultural and unexpected this is, even in the scriptures, right? Like, I think that sometimes we have this idea that, oh, yeah, that was Bible times, and so it was different then. You know, they ex- they, you know everybody expected healing to happen then, or, you know, that was a special time. That was, and well, yeah, okay, maybe it was a special time. We definitely are still talking about it. That, that what is happening in the scriptures is actually descriptive and prescriptive of the human experience. That there's a, there's a sense in which the things that are happening that we're reading about in this book can and do happen today and are just as unusual and freaky and scary uh, today as they were then, uh, if not more so. And so I just want us to kind of consider what happens in this story. Let's take a look in chapter 3 of Acts, starting in verse 1. Oops. Uh, Now, a man who was lame, oh, sorry, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray. Father, I ask that as we consider the scriptures and what, uh, what believers have done since the earliest days of following you, Lord, that we would walk in their footsteps that we would become people who uh, can afford to be as, as crazy about our faith, as risky uh, as the stories that we read here, and that uh, we would be bold and full of faith in everything that we do. And I just ask for these things in Jesus' name. What we see here uh, is you know, a story that we're kind of used to talking about in this church, right? We talk about these stories somewhat often. We do prayer trainings. Uh, We regularly engage in prayer ministry. Um, Healing has always been a big part of the Vineyard Movement and our, uh, basically our approach and our philosophy of ministry is something I uh, am really proud of and like I think is really cool. It's one of the things that makes me love the Vineyard Movement Um, and and is that there's a way for us to experience Jesus uh, that is thoroughly biblical, that doesn't throw this stuff out, uh, but that isn't trying to force anything to happen and recognizes that sometimes we pray and it doesn't happen and we don't need to blame anyone when that happens. 
uh, that we're not looking to blame each other or to guilt each other when, uh, when, an ex- when a hoped-for outcome doesn't happen when we pray in faith. Um, so I just want to kind of review some, some, uh, some basics about signs and wonders that we see in the book of Acts, especially, uh, and, and all throughout the New Testament. Uh, you know, the thing about signs and wonders I really want us to just kind of remind ourselves of is that signs and wonders are for normal people. That, that for regular average Joe people, uh, God can work through us and does work through us to bring about his kingdom and to bring about his, uh, his power and, and his love uh, through the demonstration of, his, of, of the works of his spirit. Uh, that this isn't something for, like, super saints. This isn't something for uh, extra special Christians. This isn't something that's only available to the, the, the most holy of people. In fact, we, we've seen a lot of examples of people who lacked personal holiness who still were powerful in their demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. There's a mystery in that. Uh, a lot of the faith healers that we've seen uh, often lack the character that we would hope would be a prerequisite to demonstrating the Spirit's power. It doesn't, se- it doesn't seem to be the case, however, that, that being a, a, an internally very holy person is a prerequisite to accessing uh, God's power through the Holy Spirit to heal and to cast out demons and for people to have powerful, direct experiences of God's Holy Spirit. Uh, that signs and wonders, if you will, are for utterly sinful, normal people to engage in. Uh, and I'm glad for that, because otherwise I would never get to experience God's power. <laughs> I'm glad for that grace. I'm glad for his work in my life, uh, and in the way, small ways that I've been able to participate in this stuff, uh, because I'm certainly a work in progress, as I think all of us are. Signs and wonders are also for today, right? And I think that I shouldn't have to preach this too, too harsh or too, too hard or to drive this home um, too, too, uh, too heavy-handedly, I, I think that many of us have seen something like this story happen. Maybe not as dramatic, maybe not as, um, n- not as in our face, but, but many of us in this room have seen uh, something happen when we've prayed for someone else. We've seen God's Spirit at work. We've seen healings take place. We've seen uh, lives restored. We've seen prophetic words make a, make a deep impact, or we've experienced that kind of ministry ourselves as others have prayed for us. Uh, and it's been powerful uh, that this is something that still happens. But I think the, the, maybe the thing that sometimes we miss, uh, especially as we kind of focus on how to do this, a lot of times we're, th- we're focusing on a lot of our training and a lot of the way that we've been speaking about signs and wonders, particularly in our movement, is, is how to practice and do this stuff within the life of the church, sort of internal prayer, how to do prayer ministry for other Christians, other believers. Um, but what we see in the New Testament is often the case that, that signs and wonders happen to make Jesus known, to be a demonstration of that coming kingdom. They happen outside the walls of the church. They happen uh, outside. They happen on the edges of the Christian community to, as, a, as a sign and a, and, uh, and a wonder to make people aware that, oh, God is real. Uh, I can overcome this, this stumbling block of unbelief, and I can trust that this is real because I see the evidence before me. I see that something powerful has happened, and that makes me at least a little bit more able to put my trust in Jesus. 
I will say that there are plenty of examples, and, and as we read the story of Acts, and as we read that narrative, we see many examples where signs and wonders took place and people still didn't believe. But what, what seems to be the case is that when someone is healed, what God's purpose appears to be happening in that is, is so that Jesus can be made known. It is so that people can come into relationship with God that signs and wonders take place and so things like healing happens. And so in this story, we see that a man born lame from birth, his whole life is dependent on other people picking him up and putting him where he needs to go. He's unable to care for himself. He's completely reliant on the mercy of other people uh, and, and completely disabled, right? Uh, they put him by the gate so he can beg all day, and then hopefully someone is kind enough to, to drag him home, right, to pick him up and carry him home. Uh, and then he encounters Peter and John. We don't have, see any indication that, that this man, you know, had any kind of faith or expectation, but Peter and John came to him with faith and expectation and said, look at us, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, and then he raised to his feet and his entire life is transformed. He jumps, he praises, and many people see that this has taken place and are filled with awe. And we'll see the reaction to it here in a minute. So just remembering and understanding that signs and wonders are for normal people, that they happen today, and that their purpose is to make Jesus known. I'd like us to just take a minute or two um, in groups of three. And please, last week we were fudging on this, Try to get in groups of three or less, all right? Um, and maybe try to get outside your nuclear family if, if possible, just so we can kind of mix it up a little bit. Uh, but the question to consider is, you know, what do you hope God will do? What are you hoping to see God do? Understanding that his power is available and he is present and that he's available to us through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, what we hope that God will do, and why. Let's talk about that for a few minutes. Okay. So, uh, I, think, I think I'm just going to share briefly. So one thing I think of when, especially when I look at a passage like this, is that I, I really hope God will help me deal with my fear. <laughs> like, I really hope that the day will come when I just have faith and, like, no hesitation about, like, taking the risks that God has called me to take. And I keep waiting for this magical moment when, like, oh, then suddenly I'll always know what the right thing to do in a situation is, and I'll always have faith, and I'll always have courage and I'll always be faithful to Jesus, and like, and because of that, then like healing will always happen when I pray for it. And I just think that, that it is probably not the case, and I'm, I think I'm, I'm realizing that it's probably not the case that that day is going to come, and then suddenly I'll just be good at doing what Peter and John did in this story uh, 100% all the time. That this is probably going to be something that I continue to struggle with and that I'm never going to master. Um, that in some sense, having the faith to believe in this and to believe that God can break into a situation and change it with his 
supernatural power at any moment is a recipe to make you a little bit crazy. That, you know, so like something that happened to me on Friday was uh, I was at the recycling center and we've done outreach at the recycling center and I'm, I'm, I, you know, I ask God to give me opportunities and, and, and that sort of thing and I'm trying to pray those sorts of prayers and, and then see them and seize them. We put those kind of prayers in the, in the prayer snack too in the email that goes out. Uh, but these guys are talking and they, they were both talking about their back pain. They're talking about, you know, like, oh, you know, I think my sciatic nerve, like they're having this sort of loud conversation. And so because I believe in this stuff, now I have this additional stress of like, well, what do I do in response? You know, like, like if I didn't believe in this stuff, I could just say, ah, no big deal, whatever, that's weird. These guys are talking about their medical problems. But no, I believe in this stuff and I've seen, and I've seen God heal backs. That's actually like a thing that I've prayed for repeatedly and and experience some success in seeing God, like, heal the person. Like, they experience symptom abatement when I pray for backs. Like, I, I, I especially have faith because I have witnessed God healing backs when I pray for people. I've also experienced many times praying for people and they were not healed. I don't have magic hands. But, like, so I'm in this situation, and I, I am so sorry to say to you, church, that I just, I just let it pass. I didn't push in. I didn't ask, hey, you know, I couldn't help but overhearing you. Could I pray for you right now? I wish I could tell you that I said that. I wish I could say that. And even if the, the person would not have been healed, I wish I could say that, hey, I was faithful in praying and in trying to humbly share God's love in the best way that I know how. Because that's really the worst case scenario that can happen if we're following the Vineyard Prayer Model, if we're, if we're asking people, you know, can I pray for you? If they say no, I'm off the hook, right? If they say yes, then we pray for them, and maybe they experience healing or maybe they don't, but at least they experience the care of a Christian. And I, I passed up that opportunity, and I'm sorry to say that I did. I'm hopeful that God will deal with that with me. I'm hoping that, you know, when I get prayer at this National Vineyard Conference, that that'll change, that I'll hear some more stories of faith by people who are walking this out and be encouraged, I can turn the corner and do better next time. But let's talk, let's look and see um, what happens after this, right? What's the response of people experiencing this? And maybe this will help us catch some vision for what's possible when we walk this stuff out. So while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? It's not our power or our godliness that makes people walk, right? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that, he, that has completely healed him, as you all can see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that this Messiah would suffer. Repent then, turn around, right? 
Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. So we see this pattern of demonstration, right? This, this, this healing happens, and then Peter explains what's going on. One way to explain it, and that's perhaps more briefly, is when we pray for someone and they experience healing, say it's a back, all right? You know, one way to just briefly say, hey, what, what God just did for your back, he wants to do with your whole life, right? He wants to redeem your soul. He wants to transform you. He wants to heal the way you relate to him and the way you relate to your neighbors. He wants to bring you into relationship with himself. And this is him tapping you on the shoulder and saying, hey, I'm here. This is him knocking on the door and saying, hey, I'm here for you. I can help you. When we declare signs and wonders, the reason we do that is so that people can believe Jesus. And not just believe in Jesus, right? Not just have like a mental ascent, oh, Jesus is there. But really enter into relationship with him and trust him as the good Lord and Savior that he is. The reason we do this is so that people can know God, so that people can be saved, right? It's so that people can be saved from the path of destruction that every human is on. And I think that this is, there, there is some ambiguity here. Like, what does judgment look like? What is hell like? What is the nature of the second death and all those things? I think there are various theories, and, and this isn't really something that I care to, to elaborate on in too much detail because I feel like it mischaracterizes the nature of our gracious God. But I do think it's important for us to wrap our minds around if we are not saved, then we are not saved, right? That if we don't know Jesus, if we don't have some sense of hope in him and what he has done for us, if we don't trust him fully with every aspect of our life for our salvation, then all of us are slowly or quickly, at varying speeds, moving towards our impending doom. That, if you will, there is no hope for us outside of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And while I don't totally understand what that doom might be or what it might look like, is it eternal conscious punishment, or is it just annihilation? Is it a, just a continuation of the suffering that we experience in this life? that lasts into eternity. I don't really completely know that I can say for sure what I know what that will be like, just the same way that I can't say I know for sure what the new heaven and the new earth will be like. But here's what I do think is really solid from the words of Jesus that we find in Scripture. It is not something that we want to experience. It's bad. 
And without him, we don't have hope. And whatever hope we might think we have outside of him is a false hope. We, declare, we demonstrate and declare signs and wonders so that people can be saved, so that people can come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That is what we hope for. He is our hope. He is our Redeemer. And he's a gracious, good God. I don't believe that he delights in the torture of people. I don't believe that he delights in suffering. I believe that he has gone through extreme and difficult lengths to provide a way out of the human condition, to provide a way out from the consequences of sin that we all experience on a daily basis. And that is available to us through his blood, that we can be forgiven of our sins, and we can come into relationship with him. And so the question is, who do we know who needs to experience God directly? Who is in our lives that we know that we can reach and touch? And I want us to, I want us to really think, I want us to think small enough that it is risky. Does that make sense? I don't, want us to, I don't want us to approach this question, oh, you know, people in Afghanistan. There I go, messing with the clicker. Here it is. Yeah, okay, there probably are plenty of people in Afghanistan who need to experience Jesus' love, but I'm never going to talk to those people in all likelihood, right? Like, that's probably not going to happen. I'm asking, who has God put in your life that you know that you have the relationship and the opportunity to share what you've experienced in Jesus with who are those people, right? Let's talk about that. Okay. So... I think it's probably the case that just as we consider the gravity of the good news that we experience and experience regularly and and the and sort of just like the stakes, right? The stakes of whether or not people know the Lord and just like really coming to terms with those and grip, gripping those and thinking about people in our lives that God has given to us to love and to care for as neighbors and friends, family members, I'm sure, um, that we probably recognize our need to pray, right? And so that's what this next part is about. Um, I want to make the invitation for uh, at least two kinds of prayer to happen. One would just be for intercession, for people who are not in the room, right? So just take some time to pray for the people that you know that need God, that need to experience him, that need to experience his truth, that need to experience his forgiveness, that need to experience his love and mercy and grace and healing and all the things that come when we come into relationship with Jesus. Let's take some time to pray for people that God has given us the task of evangelizing of sharing this good news.
of really being a witness to what God can and will do 